Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, we end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. All right, welcome back to another episode of Industry Interviews with Seattle House Mafia. I'm Phil, your host, and today he is the owner of Seattle's longest-running house music label for the last 25 years, Viva Recordings. He threw numerous infamous parties in the 90s, many of which I attended, uh, 90s and beyond, really, at venues like Power Plant, NAF Studios, ETG, and Trinity, Currently, uh, he's a staple. Both him and his parties are a staple at one of my favorite spots in Seattle, the Monkey Loft, and also puts on an annual event at ADE in Amsterdam, which I want to learn a little bit more about. He also hosts a weekly radio show on KBFG 107.3 called Different Channels every Tuesday at 8 p.m. So welcome. Thank you. John Lemon to the studio. How are you, man? Awesome, man. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this. Dude, I'm I'm just stoked we finally got this. Like it, it seemed like it was a long time coming. I actually think I reached out to you like a year ago when we were when I was sort of making the idea, you know, formulating the idea. And it's it, been a minute. It's been yeah. a, a pleasure to watch it like come together and grow. It's yeah. been awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And and again, thanks for coming in. Um, you just got back from Vegas, right? You guys did, did a party in Vegas. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so this year was our uh, 25th anniversary for the label. And um, obviously we wanted to do something a little different, a little outside the box and a little special. And um, we'd actually been, um, so I have two partners in the label for those that don't know, uh, Peter Evans and Chad Nero. And we, before the pandemic, we had been, looking at the idea of a much bigger thing down in Vegas um, that I won't jinx for future possibilities. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, we were going to do something, and we were actually, I mean, we took trips down there, and we were researching a place to do some kind of a big party down there. Um, everything obviously just sort of backed up a few steps with the pandemic, so sure. kind of starting at a different point afterwards. Um, but a bunch of just uh, stuff just fell into place um, with uh, a friend of mine down there, this guy, Edgar Reyes, who runs this, uh, I mean, a very similar company called Soul Kitchen in Vegas. And they they were celebrating 20 years this year. So we kind of decided to team up. And I mean, it was magic. It was awesome. We ended up um, securing a venue for the Saturday night called The Usual Place, which is a, a newer venue. Um, this guy, Carlos Sanchez, is the owner of it, and he's a, a house DJ, a deep house guy as well, and he's been around forever. Um, and he and his old partners used to bring me down for gigs back in the day. So that just kind of fell into place to do a party there, and then a that was for Saturday night, and then a Sunday party came together at this place called 18 Bin, which was super fun. It was a outdoor thing in the arts district where there was, you know, 
like a brunch all day and whatever. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, it was supposed to go to like seven. I think we went to like nine 30 or something like so that. So you guys actually had two days. You had a we night a, event and then a day that turned into a night. I called event. it the Las Vegas oh, weekender. So yeah. Good. How um, many DJs? Uh, I don't know, 15 or so. Nice. Something like that. Yeah. Give or take. I mean, I'm, I don't have the exact number, yeah, but yeah. something like that. That's awesome. Um, and it was super fun. We had like a huge group of people come in from out of town um and everyone just had a blast and kind of did their own things as well too and you know some of their activities around vegas and stuff like that so it was super magical so i think getting back to the original question was i was just did how, I, how did it go i just wanted to learn a little yeah bit about i mean it. it was it was great and it just kind of it just came together and it was a, just a special celebration for our 25th we needed to do something different yeah. and that's what came together and i couldn't have asked for a more magical time everyone that helped out everyone that came down everyone that was just a part of it in every single way um made it just an, an amazing event that's awesome yeah see and i don't know that much about your you know i don't I, I know who peter is i know who a lot of people are that you've worked with but i don't really know them in fact i was just saying this to you before we were on camera that i've known you for like 20 years but i don't really know you that's why i was so excited to get in here and yeah this is awesome and and speak about it a little bit um is this going to be an annual thing or is this just a one-off banger? For it might 25? be, it might okay. be every single person for the most part. I think every single person that we talked to was like, Oh yeah, definitely yeah. do it next year for sure. Like everyone was like, we're in. So um, the, just watching the post, it seems yeah, like everyone, yeah. everyone had just an amazing time. Yeah. So it was great. Probably a few things we'll do different next year. Yeah. Things change up. Um, ultimately it would be really cool to sort of see this just sort of, kind of do its thing and grow as like an annual thing yep. um, where people could go hang out. And I know people were already throwing around um, a bunch of cool ideas for like places to stay and just all kinds of different ideas. Everyone's wheels were turning yeah. for like for next year. So yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen next year and hopefully be an annual thing. So nice, nice. I will, I want to tell you it's speaking of your label, which I, I do want to talk more about, but I have to tell you a funny story because, um, I went to the LTJ Bookham show last Thursday mm -hmm. at Monkey Loft, which was outdoors, beautiful. And um, so I'm going to give you a couple, of, a couple of things before I actually tell the story that will make sense in a second. So 50 years old, haven't been in a street fight for like at least 15 years, right? I do train jujitsu for regularly for about the last eight years. And I was at Monkey Loft with a couple of my buddies. And usually when we're together, we're just super chill and safe. And I... This will make sense in a second. So we're standing there listening to LTJ Bookham, right? This dude walks up to me kind of aggressively, taps me on the chest. Like, you know, you don't just tap somebody on the chest, but he taps me on the chest. And so all these things are going through my head. Is he with friends? Are we safe? Are my boys with me? You know, we're tr I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen. And then like my mind slowed down a little bit and I like looked at him. We made this kind of awkward eye contact and he goes, that's a great fucking label. And I looked down at my sweatshirt and I was wearing your Viva sweatshirt. Awesome. <laughs> and I was just like, and, and then what was so cool about it, besides this whole thing, thinking I was going to get in a street fight and all that, what was so cool is like, he was like 25, maybe 30 years old. And, and it was just so interesting because I was like, fuck man, John has been doing this for more than 25 years at the label. Like, is relevance something that you're you think about does relevance just happen how have you like stayed relevant this whole time i know it's a big question no no it's a it's a super interesting question yes and no is the answer i yeah. mean yes because 
times have changed, times are changing, things are moving forward and things are evolving. So yeah, there's definitely some things to keep up on, but know at the same time, because I think my goals for what I want to do, like as a DJ, for example, are totally different and right. they're, they're nowhere as ambitious as they used to be. Like I did a bunch of the stuff that I wanted to do many years ago, super happy and you know, Hey, people still like to hear me every once in a while, which is awesome. So that's great. And I'm super stoked about that. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't really worry about it too much. And I think part of that too is I like what I like. I'm into what I'm into and I really believe in it. So I just stick with it. Like okay. what I do is what I do. I'm not trying to, um, I guess not necessarily, um, like follow a certain trend or anything like that. Like we're pretty much kind of in this zone of house music that we've sort of always been in. We, right. we, you know, think outside the box a little bit here and there more so with our bookings, but less with the label, you know? Right. And it's just kind of what we do. And like, there's a lot of people that just love it and respect it and are into it for what it is. So we just keep on doing, you know, fighting the good fight, I guess, so to speak. But yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. I was always, it's just a, it, it's one of those curious things. When I see somebody like you, who's got your, you know, I, I said this to you earlier too, but you're, you're one of the only people I truly know that you know, you, your life, your whole livelihood is music, right? Like, it is. There's guys like day me. Jobs too, yep. Yeah. There's guys like me. I have a corporate day job, but I love music. I've always been passionate about it. And that's like 90% of the people I know. And then every once in a while, there's somebody like you who like every, you know, all the money that you make, how you pay your bills is one way or another having to do with music, right? Is that fair to say? It is. Yeah. yeah. You want me to go on a little yeah, bit? Yeah, please. I mean, so yeah, I mean, some, some, sometimes it's a, uh, a little bit more of a pain in the butt and sometimes sure. it's awesome. Um, and it, you know, it ebbs and it flows, but I've been doing, I guess just music business stuff for, I mean, as long as I can remember also one way or the other, whether it's promoting, um, I've worked for like different digital distribution companies for yep. the last almost 15 years now, um, where, you know, we're distributing other people's content, um, music publishing, uh, consulting, I co-own a, a DJ promo company as well, where we do like a, we service DJs with promos from different labels and stuff like that. Got it. Um, that's kind of the nutshell version. Um, but yeah, so over the years, it's just always evolved, whatever that is um, for me as a day job as well too. Yeah. So it's fun. I, I like in my corporate life, right? I have to stock execs on LinkedIn and I have to look for blogs and all these things. And I was kind of stalking you on LinkedIn. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's everything he does, whether it's distribution, the label, you know, actually promoting events, parties, like it is music related, which it is, is yeah. Yeah. There's just not that many, and you may know more than me, but it doesn't seem like there's that many people in the world that are able to, you know, I mean, I survive. guess I know quite a few of them cause that is my, my day right. thing too. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, sometimes it's a hustle and a yeah. grind. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's a lot of work, and sometimes the payout is more, um, for the love of it than yeah. you know. I mean, I get I get by, I survive, I do sure. all right, but you know, um, it's uh, yeah. There's there's definitely a whole love element of it because you also get to deal with just all kinds of personalities yeah. and different kind of stuff too. But um, I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. So. Yeah, I would, I would 
if I were to put you in a bucket, don't be offended. I, I would call you a humble creative. Those, those are like some of my favorite people to get to know are humble creatives. And I've met creatives that aren't humble and they're awesome too, but they can be a little much sometimes, but it's the humble creatives that are a little bit subdued. You don't really know how many, how many different pies they have their hands in, but they're always into something. And that's, it's just so fun to hear. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I guess, the theme I keep hearing is this love of the music. Where did that come from? Like, you remember, where did this all start? Man, I mean, I, I guess dance music, electronic music has been ingrained since a very early, at least teenage years. Okay. Uh, um, you know, uh, I, I always liked music growing up. I was always into music and I went through different phases, especially as like a preteen and an early sure. teen and stuff, you know, rock and the whole punk scene and stuff, which was all awesome around seattle by the way back in the day um and then when i first started hearing like italo disco and like high energy and like some of this club stuff i was just like whoa i was just totally blown away and i totally got hooked um and uh i guess just to date myself it was like mid 80s okay when i kind of got into it and started like going to clubs and stuff there was a wow. club called scoochies back in the day which was if you know about it, it's pretty legendary. I know of the legend. I mm -hmm. never, I was just, I missed it a little bit by a little bit. Yeah, I, I kind of came in, I guess, towards the, maybe the second half of that or something like that. But um, that's sort of where I cut my teeth going to clubs, I guess, or something like that. Um, was was Scoochies in the same place that Oz ended up being in and then it, was. it ended up being Deviate, right? Correct. Okay, cool. So yeah, yep. I just missed the It was the, the first iteration of of all of those uh, clubs. I got yeah, I know the space. I've spent many hours there, but just when it was Oz and Deviate. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And and actually uh, kind of a fun story about that too. Um the the building came down, I don't know how many years ago. Well over 5, 6 yeah, it's be years ago, something like that. Um for some apartments or condos or, you know, the things they do downtown these days. Or an Amazon building. Or an Amazon building right. or something. Um, but before it came down, there was a series of, uh, like, Scoochies reunion parties. Because um, there's a there's a fan group on Facebook, um, Children of Scoochies. And no I mean, it's huge. It's, it's huge. There is, like, a, a mammoth following for this group. And it's super active to this day. Um, and they did a few parties, and asked me to play for him with a few of the other like DJs that were around from back in the day what? as well. Oh. And they were like, I mean, they were like 800 person parties. They were like rocking. I mean, they were insane. Um, this year there's gonna, they're celebrating 40 years of Scoochies. Wow. And they're doing a 40th reunion party. The building's no longer there. So they found a new space that is up in Everett. Um, and I mean, they're kind of expecting almost a similar turnout, if not even more like the hype for it is like gigantic. So that's kind of a late September thing. And I'll be uh, gracing the decks for that again. So I'm, I'm super excited. That's going to be one I'll, I'll prep for for months. For so sure. speaking of prep, like what, you know, what, what are you, what, are, what's, what's your plan? Like rough plan? Um, it's kind of being worked out, but there's, there's going to be a number of get togethers with the other DJs as well as this guy Dovin, who's the original DJ from Scoochies, who inspired a lot of us um, when we were kids, you know, and he used to have just some magical mixes that he would do with music back in the day. And he's going to be in town for it as well. Um, so there's going to be a couple times where, you know, he flies up early and we're doing some hangout sessions and stuff. So oh, yeah. it's all going to kind of evolve between now and then. But um, 
I think the biggest thing with it is, I mean, you can't necessarily recreate his exact mixes and stuff like that, but creating, you know, something that creates that same warm, fuzzy vibe that brings you back, whether it's the same exact mix or not, but it's going to, it's going to involve some really cool mixes of some old tracks. So picking the tracks is going to be one of the biggest daunting sure. tasks because there's so much from that era that's just amazing. Um, so there's going to be a lot of digging through music and like listening to music and trying out some mixes and seeing how some things fit together and layer over each other and stuff. Um, yeah. So, and are we talking like Depeche Mode and Eurasia and Yaz and then some more clubby stuff or is it, did, did they, did Scoochies get a little more like underground? Yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was across the board, you know, okay. I mean, there was definitely all of it. Yeah. Um, and I think with like the other DJs that are going to be doing it with me too, um, everyone's sort of got their own little forte as well yep. and their own little um, understanding of stuff. And like the mixing was always my biggest thing. Like the mixes that were done there were always like the things that had the big impression on me. So that'll be one of my focuses is the actual like, you know, some of the music you were talking about yeah. as well as, you know, hopefully I'll find maybe some like you know one or two like little bit more obscure things that a few people are like oh my god you know right like, yeah because i'm picturing doa and all these you know that's, totally yeah that'd be banging night though some, that's gonna be awesome yeah wow so that's in early september late september late september yeah, end of okay. september i think very cool yeah very cool what a what a cool like honor to be able to play that you know big time i mean yeah i'm super grateful like kind of wild that they asked me um mm -hmm. but it's it's awesome i mean i'm stoked so yeah. yeah well you've been out of for a minute man so if you go back even further you know i get i get the club thing and and sort of the music influence was there as a kid were you around music all the time were you from one of those musical musical households or did you just find it on sort your own of. i mean kind of i think my mom was more musical um you know just playing in bands in high school and stuff like that what I think instrument? she flute okay piccolo perfect um i started young um uh i think i was five when i started like taking guitar lessons um that didn't really stick too long i think it was late oh, i don't even remember when it was um i took up sax at some point um and started playing that at school and like concert bands that's my alto from, awesome uh, i yeah, love it from junior high <laughs> very cool but yeah i started playing that and then getting in jazz band and by the time I got in high school, I was definitely becoming a little bit more of like a, a free thinker and like kind of, you know, venturing out into my future musical tastes and stuff like that. And then, sure. oh, we need a we need a bass player for jazz band. I was like, I'll do it. They're like, uh, all right. Uh, well, we don't have one. Like, <laughs> but we have a bass. I was like, can I take it home and practice? They're like, sure so you know I, I they they gave me a, a electric bass to go practice with and take home and amazing um eventually i like was digging around the band closet and i was like hey you have a double bass you know the big stand-up bass yeah so i was like can i take that home and practice too they're like yeah i mean no one's using it <laughs> nobody wants it. to carry it <laughs> uh, dude i used to carry it home from school it was ridiculous it was the it, it was so insane. big <laughs> um, and then, you know, met up with some like-minded people at my school, which was, you know, my high school, which was sort of that time when I started going to Scoochies and getting into electronic music and stuff. So was Scoochie 16 and up, was that what it was <sighs> or 18 and up? It might've been 18, but they didn't care. I can't remember, I remember but I, I was tall and I looked a little older yeah. when I was 13 okay. maybe or so, so I could get in. 
Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so we started like, you know, an electronic band at school and stuff like that, that, you know, okay. and, and like we, they had, the school had like a plethora of gear in this closet that they were just like, yeah, you guys can totally use it and do whatever. They had like keyboards and synths and drum machines and all this stuff. We were just like, what, what? And so we like started an electronic band and like went out to like the bus lot where all the buses parked and they had all the parts and stuff. And we would like do a concert in the multi-purpose room and like drag in like bus mufflers and do like a total like industrial concert. And it was, I mean, it was insane. It was wild. People were like, Oh my God, these guys are crazy. They got to be stopped. But, um, but whatever yeah, look at where you are now yep and then so you went to and and so actually the djing thing was first for you after your club experience at scoochies that's where you're yeah, kind of yeah. like oh uh, i end up playing music in the bands and stuff like that all before that and it was i think i was around like 16 when i actually started djing and oh, doing okay. like a mobile dance show for this company that did like weddings and stuff but then this company also got hired this is like 1986 1987 or whatever like they got a contract to do the C89 mobile dance show for high schools. Wow. And they're like, Hey, you're into dance music. Do you want to do all the C89 mobile dance shows for the high schools? I was like, yes. So I used to do all those oh for like the God. high schools and stuff. So like a high, school would, a high school would go to C89 and say, Hey, we need a dance party. Yep. And totally. Then John Lemon's playing the C89. I don't know, dance think party. I really had any name recognition yeah, right. or anything like I that. It was you. the C89 mobile right. dance show. Right, that right. was, that was the, that was the thing. You were the kid that um, would carry all the gear and play the music and yeah. Set up, tear down, <laughs> DJ the whole nine yards. It was, uh, it and was that pretty started wild. in the eighties when you were 16. I think, I, I think so. That's unless so my cool. timeline is off, but it was, it was around that time because it was later later 80s when i was uh yeah it was like 86 to 89 that i was doing the mobile dj stuff or something like that okay okay yep. and then when did you when did you migrate into like i would imagine again you were a little bit before me but i would imagine you probably got involved in some of the break-in or the early break-in stuff going on did no you do any of that? Or, i was i was going to school in louisiana at the time okay. for a lot of the break-in stuff i would come back and dj for a couple of the the parties um, at various places that were semi-legal or less back in the day um, for the raves, like the old Cat in the Hat parties, yep. which were pretty legendary back then. Yep. Those were two friends of mine that, that did those. No kidding. Yep. Okay. Um, and uh, I would play for a couple of those, and then I actually did, like, my own parties down there, too. Like, I threw, like, I lived in Lafayette. I threw, like, their first rave party and um, did, like, did one in New Orleans as well, which was awesome. I can imagine. And um, yeah, and then I came back like mid mid nineties. I think is kind of when I came back. Um, and I think shortly after that was kind of kind of segwayed. I was you know I was playing at clubs here and there on like my visits back and all that kind of stuff. Right. But in the in the mid nineties when we came back, I think was probably around when we like started like the power plant stuff and everything. I can't remember what year power plant opened. Do you remember that ninety six? Seven? Yeah, around there. I don't think. It, yeah, probably around there. Ninety five, between ninety five and seven. I have to yeah, look it up. Yeah, yeah, it's I think right in that zone. Yeah. somewhere. So you were born and raised in Seattle. But yep. The, the only time you were ever li really away was when you were going to school in in Louisiana. That, and then I just lived in Los Angeles for ten years as well. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, because it always seemed like I, I always had assumed you were local, but yep. I so I didn't even ask. But yeah, you just had a local feel. This is this is it, man, and, yeah. I, and I hope to not live anywhere else because I love this city. Place, I love this city. Guys like you, like truly, you know, have made this place more. Like you, there's there's some core core people and some core movements for me that have just 
defined who I am for the last, you know, I mean, I'm 50 now, but, but since before I, I had fake ID and I was going out to totally you know, weathered wall show box, um, all the, all all right. the raves that were happening, right. Yep. That's where I slid in, you know, and right. I know you were already deeply in it by then. Cause I'd see your name on flyers all the yep. time. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty, that was, that was around the time I really like kind of got into it pretty full on yep. and was, was booked quite a bit and all that kind of stuff. So I'd see your name, I'd see Donald's name, Nasser, I'd see like, there was, there's a whole slew of different DJs. Brian, Wesley, like, yeah. uh, the whole crew. Yeah, yeah. The whole crew. Yeah. Wild. Okay. So that's kind of the DJ music piece. That makes sense. And then when did you decide I want to start a label? Like what, what drove that? Well, the label started in 98. So it was literally, there was just a point where I was like, what's next? Like, what is the next mm -hmm. evolution of what I'm doing? Um, Cause there's gotta be like kind of a next step for me to go in a different direction um, or in, or just keep moving forward, I guess for lack of a better term. Right. And that was it. I mean, I just started thinking I was, there's not a, there's not a, a house label. There's not an electronic label out of Seattle. So yeah, I've got a lot of connections, you know, I've played all over the place, you know, and I've got friends that make music for other labels. And I just started talking to some people and the brainstorm just turned into Viva and um, yeah. Were you doing any production or was it purely DJing? And then the, I was the not doing any production myself at that point. In fact, I've done, I mean, more, more dabbling and stuff that's never come out than anything, but um, it was a little bit later that I had a few things that came out and um, uh, but yeah, that's, those are kind of few and far between. Right. That's, that was never a big part of my, my journey was production. Um, maybe again at some point because I do kind of miss it. Yeah. But we'll see. You yeah. Know? I mean, you're doing everything else. You might as well start. I mean, with all the extra time in the day, totally. <laughs> exactly. So, so the label thing I mean, I, I understand that it was, you know, there wasn't a house music label. There was actually probably some, some current still left from the whole grunge thing. I mean, we, we were kind of on the map, like in the, you know, early mid nineties. Yeah. And, uh, but was it, was there something to you that was driving you from an artist perspective, being a DJ yourself? Like, was there, was there anything influencing that decision to start a label? Like I want to get my friend's music out there. I want to help them grow any of that going on. I'm assuming so. I mean, Maybe I, th I think it just kind of made sense, yeah. you know, and I think it made sense for me. I think it made sense for at least I thought for Seattle at the time. And I was like, you know, I had I had plenty of people from all over the globe that were down and that were yeah. that were supportive and that were like, absolutely. Yeah, we'll give you some tunes. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. And so from the time you started, let's like, let's say today, how it. And we don't have to talk about revenue, but I'm saying how much has your, your label grown or your label activity grown from like birth to, to where you're at today? Right. Uh, <laughs> As, and has it had some of these too? You There's know? a lot of those. Right. There's a lot of those. Um, yeah, that's a super interesting question. I could probably spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> so I'll try to condense it a bit. Sure. Um, it's a fully different climate now than it was when I started and then it and then it was when I was like halfway through it as well 
Like it's just totally different. Like we used to press up vinyl back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and and pretty pretty good quantities of vinyl. Whereas now you can't even sell a tenth of what your initial pressing was like ever. You know, it's it's a it's a whole different thing. And then you have the whole digital revenue thing, and that's just a it's a it's a tricky. Um, it's a tricky marketplace. I mean, there's the the money shifts, and it's constantly, um, it's a constantly changing landscape. So, there's really for us, especially earlier on, I was just talking about, hey, just we just kind of stick to our guns and we just do our thing, and right. we're not necessarily following a trend or looking for like a big hit or looking for you know a big Spotify numbers or something, which is where a lot of the revenue can be. Um, is is streaming. Um, we just kind of do our thing. So we're a super underground label. We just kind of bubble along and do our thing. So it's, you know, doing that itself isn't really um, a monetary gain that I would write home about or anything like that. Um, we do our events with Viva also, which is, you know, that's a big part of it. But it's a bunch of like, you know, business-wise in the whole ecosystem, everything is like a small slice of the pie as opposed to, you know, vinyl might've been 80% of it back in the day or whatever, or even earlier in the digital era, like, you know, Beatport sales might've been 80% of it or something like that. Um, so it's just, it's just a constantly ebbing and flowing thing. And, um, just being the type of label that we are and the, the aesthetic of the music that we put out it's more for continuity it's more for like doing what we're doing and like keeping that whole thing um as a brand this that's kind of the wrong word i'm looking forward to like as right. a as as just a thing that's ingrained in and me and us the people that work with the label and stuff that's just it's a vibe, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. I definitely think, um, just from what I've owned, bought digitally and on vinyl. The, yeah. The, there's, there's, there's an aesthetic. There's like a consistency. It's not, it's not like it, it's not limited, but there is a consistency with what you guys put out on the label for sure. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's got kind of a, how would you describe it? If that's not putting too much pressure. I mean, it? I mean, the the main sound that we do, I guess, is deep house, yeah. you know, ranging from like the little bit more soulful stuff to a little bit more underground and even like minimal. We do get a little techie. We get a little weird. We throw a down tempo thing in here and yep. there and stuff like that. But yeah, we're just kind of on this like deeper underground vibe. And look, there's there's so much music out there and there's so much great music out there and there's so much so many new styles of music out there yeah. and there's always a style that from a monetary success standpoint is going to like stand out and sort of be the one and might be what people are going for at the time. Right. And there's nothing right or wrong with how you're doing a label and there's I mean there's a lot of other kind of music uh, uh, other subgenres of house and electronic music that i totally love yep but i am not the expert in that that is not my thing i'm not going to chase it and i'm not like chasing a buck or something like that either like our thing is just no this is it's more personal this is just where we are in our zone that we just love to be and it's um it's awesome it is awesome and that's why i think coming back to that original question around relevance you've, you've kind of answered it to me answered me in a couple ways which is 
think what I'm hearing too is the fact that you guys have sort of steered the stayed the course. I mean, yep. you're open, but you stayed the course and and a lot of times I ask these questions because I'm trying to figure it out my own in my own life and how this applies. But I think the relevance just kind of comes with the territory. As long as you're true to what you're trying to do, you're not trying to be something else. You're yeah, not just trying to, trying to stay authentic to what yeah, we are. There's, exactly. Because there's other, I mean, there. like I said, I have a super eclectic music taste and yep. there's a lot of other stuff that I love. But if I really tried to put an effort into doing something that I really don't know that much about, yeah. that it's just like a whole, it's, it's a little bit foreign to me from, you know, the, you know, your audience and stuff like that, it would just it would come across like that. There's yeah. zero point in me even trying it, you know? The, the, and I see a bunch of other people that are doing a fantastic job at it too. So it's yeah. just like, yeah. So for me, it's not, I mean, I don't feel like a competition. I don't feel like a, um, a drive to be, to, to measure success in any specific way other than by just staying authentic and doing what we do and like doing what we love, you know, right. That's really what at the end of the day holds the most weight and meaning for me and for team Viva. Yeah. So. Well, and I think you guys are unique too. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the fact that you do so many events, um, I think that's something a little bit different too. And impressed like what, what, what drove you to make the decision to do these events that are, essentially viva events that are happening probably kind of the same thing well so we'll we'll start off with like the monkey loft night for example too so chad and peter who are my partners in viva um while i was in la that was and i've been back for around five years now so um for the 10 years before that i was kind of in la and at that point I was pretty immersed into just the, the day job career side of like my music stuff too. And like kind of honing all those skills and, right. and working a ton as well. Um, so I actually sort of kind of took a back seat during that time. And I know Chad and Peter started, they're the ones that actually started this at monkey loft, the, the weekly, which is going to celebrate 10 years this year. <laughs> so, cool. um, so they're the ones that actually started that and um and that's why that is still just going strong um there's been you know we're, we're awesome partners the the beauty of our partnership too is each one of us has different things that seem to pop up in our lives where another person has a little more availability so we've had this awesome and it's worked super well just this awesome like ebb and flow of yeah. responsibilities that have kind of shifted over the last 10 years in terms of who's running stuff. Chad fully ran the label for a few years. I was like, I just don't even have time right now. My day stuff is so demanding. He's like, Oh, I'm going to take it over. I'm like, yeah, if there was someone that could take it over, it's going to be you. Yeah. He's like, all right. I'm like, here's the keys. And uh, yeah, he just ran with it, brought Peter on. They've been running that night. Um, now it's more Peter and I that are running the night. And then, I mean, other events we've done off and on, historically but that is kind of like starting the label as my next evolution like what's next i think events and doing more things like maybe making vegas an annual thing right and our although we've taken three years off because of the pandemic but sure. doing an annual amsterdam party is is a thing um and kind of doing some more interesting things with the events is sort of kind of my my personal next interest and next push you know yeah 
I can see the team evolving yeah. as well as, as this potentially evolves. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, it's, they're long days, man. I mean, there's yeah. all the, all the, all the behind the scenes stuff is not glamorous and exciting and sexy. And totally. you know, it's just like, dude, you have no idea how day, how long my day was today. I just <laughs> want to go home and just want to take a nap. Um, I hate dance music. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets to that point. It never gets to that point. <laughs> never. Um, but uh yeah no this is super helpful so i'm seeing i'm seeing kind of the evolution of the label and how it's been it's been a spring so is there as we go into more events still doing the label stuff i mean in the near future is there any big any big goals you guys have either around the label or around events or all of the above i mean focusing on the events um more on the label stuff I mean, there's a couple things that might be bubbling, but too soon to even mention. I think a constant, not even necessarily forward motion, but I guess it is forward motion, but kind of a constant evolution of of the brand is always on the mind, you know? Yeah. Um, like, there's always a, like, well, what is next? What is our next thing? Um I guess when we run out of next things, it might be time to hang it up. We'll see, but yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know, man. You've done it twenty five years. I, so I just far. I don't know what I don't know if I could ever do it. If I could ever hang it up, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, the, the guys I I'm telling you, the, the the guys and girls I talk to that are music lovers and that have even even a half a foot in the business, like they just they can't let it go. It's know? tough. It's 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 more than a lifestyle. It's something that's just ingrained in you. you yep. Know? It's such a part of who you are. Yep. No, I totally get it. Hundred percent. Got it. So, if I'm just trying to think from 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 the events you guys are doing. Oh, the that was what I wanted to know. The the Amsterdam event. Oh yeah. I'm actually heading out to Amsterdam soon. So okay. I'm, I'm curious, what drove that? Was that built around something? Yeah. So there's a there's a big conference and festival every year called Amsterdam dance event that happens out there. It's in October, usually like mid to late October, like usually like the third weekend ish. Um, and there's a big conference portion during the week okay. too. Um, and I, you know, I've gone for the conference in the past and, um, I mean the events are just like, I mean, it's insane the sheer amount of like events that they have out there. And I mean, everyone that's anyone is there. In my mind, it's it's the best music conference and festival that there that there is. You know, you register for the conference, you get like a whole like list and contacts of the delegates so that you can like set up meetings. Um, it's very conducive to like doing a ton of meetings. Um, and then the night festival brings in like I think it's like a hundred thousand people a night or something like that. Oh my god! I mean, it's literally so. I mean, Amsterdam. Some people know, some people don't, but it's. I mean, it's first or second in the world for dance music. I think like. Amsterdam and Berlin are kind of like wow. the epicenters of dance music. And there's so many clubs just in the center of town. Like at any given time, you can walk to like 40 parties that are happening. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, and wow. it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's just, a, it's a super amazing city. It's a beautiful city. The whole vibe of the conference is awesome. Um, it's a great place to meet up with people. It's a great place to check out, some talent that you love or some new talent that For you sure. haven't heard before. Um, and yeah, and we just, we've been doing this, uh, I don't know how many years we've been doing it now, but um, the last three we obviously took off. Yeah. Um, but maybe like five times before that at this little uh, 
place called JD Williams whiskey bar that a, a friend owns. And he does like a lot of the, it's, it's, it's a smaller venue, but it's awesome. Sure. It's super tight vibey. Wow. Um, we usually get, you know, some of our artists that are in town from who knows where in the globe, um, being a part of it. So it's always really fun. It does seem like it's, you know, on the one hand you've been, you've been a, a pioneer in Seattle and Seattle dance music, you know, raves, dance music, club, club nights, that sort of thing. Plus the label, but it does seem like you're getting out and doing places out of Seattle too. Yep. Um, which is probably, is it just probably a natural evolution of what you guys are doing, right? I think that's always kind of been ingrained. And I think um, it's always been just an important part of all of it to me is, I mean, you know, you've got your home base and that's always the most important thing, but like spreading out and spreading it elsewhere and yeah. bringing stuff in also has also just been a huge part of it for me. So yeah, it's super, for me, it's, it's, it's a, it's a global thing community all that yeah how do you feel i mean in general you've watched the seattle scene for a long time like how do you feel it's it, it you feel like it's evolving i mean it's constantly evolving yeah. right but like just general thoughts off the top where we're at today i mean like 10 years ago or something like that like having multiple club nights with you know different genres of whatever house techno trance all of the stuff like you know if you had more than like two things going on like one of them was going to suck back in the day you know right. it'd be like one of them would be awesome the other one just wouldn't and now it's it's great because the scene is big enough to be sustainable and have like multiple things going on and have multiple people doing things that might have like a slightly different audience and a slightly different draw but it's still at its core kind of the same thing so it's it's been um super cool and super fun just to watch this town sort of and, and there's nothing wrong with it but it's been cool to see it kind of grow out of just a live music town mentality yeah um, especially from an outsider's perspective you know yeah um but even even from the locals just seeing the electronic stuff grow has been really cool to watch yeah it's been um and and back to my original story about wearing your viva sweatshirt like just seeing you know the age ranges it does seem like even like LTJ Bookham, for instance, there was there was twenty year olds, there was like sixty five, seventy year olds there. Like there, it was. I was actually there for maybe like twenty minutes, but yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a right? super mixed crowd. Yeah, which, which I love. That's awesome. Yeah, I love to see that too, and I love to see new new folks coming into an old community and and kind of forcing the community to evolve, to embrace that, and, and then sort of forcing change, but in a good way. So I, yep. I like to see how it's grown too. It's been fun to watch, but I do think it's it is cool that you guys are doing stuff. You're not just so. I find sometimes when people are too focused on the city they're from, there's there's a little bit of this famine mentality because they're like, oh my god, this guy's got this night and these guys have this venue and. It used know. to be more like that. I think it yeah. definitely used to be more like so that. So you think it's improving though? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. I mean, I think I think it's an amazing thing when you don't have to worry so much about, you know, three or four sometimes events happening in a night and yours sucking or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's great. I mean, that's awesome. It gives also gives people options, which I think is super healthy. Yeah. You know, I think having people have options and choices of their venue and their music style and stuff like that is just, I mean, it's a fantastic thing. There is, I mean, I'm all for it hundred so. percent. Yeah. No, th yeah, it's, it's, it's been that. <laughs> I keep going back and forth because I wonder if I'm just paying more attention now or if I'm actually noticing this thing. And when, the more I talk to people like you, the more I'm starting to realize there is some evolution happening like kind of before our eyes right Constantly. now. Constantly. In a positive way. 
Um, and that's, that's really cool. But then there's also like, so I had Sherman Crawford in here uh, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, or last week, whatever. And he played a vinyl set and people just bug out when people can play vinyl sets. Cause there's so many kids now that have never even touched a 1200. Right. I know it's right. not you. Right. But it's, it's, it's interesting to see. And now there's like almost a refreshed interest in learning how to play vinyl and buying vinyl again. And I don't know if you guys are pressing more vinyl now than you were like two years ago, or if you're even playing in that game anymore. Not, not as much. We did, we did a vinyl release right before the pandemic. Um, and uh, we have one more that's sort of just kind of on the back burner for the time being. Um, and yeah, we'll probably do some stuff here and there, but it's definitely, um, I mean, it's once again, that's like a game that I used to know how to play yeah. that I just don't anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it can totally be done. Like, but like the whole like distribution networks, like not even the same network anymore. It's a whole different way you go about it so um yeah we'll see yeah no i i to be yeah. continued to be continued well it just it did did when you did your vinyl release did it sell pretty well i know it's pre-pandemic but it did okay i mean yeah. I, it was actually it had it had a good start and then the pandemic right um it literally just like stopped it halted it yeah um i mean and now we've been taking you know the vinyl back to the gigs and stuff like that for like her merch booth and stuff and yeah it's been selling yeah a little bit online again too um i mean is there any i know you guys have well you guys have some stuff upcoming right uh yeah we got a ton of stuff coming up um like event wise or music wise yeah, or both. whatever that's, yeah. that's what i want um, to i want to make sure i give you enough enough air time because i know oh, you have yeah. some releases coming up you have some events i mean coming it's up. just it's just it's just constant like it's i mean there's always new stuff being um planned and worked on we have uh, a great event coming up in june or or uh this party at monkey loft yeah um we're bringing david harness and uh homero espinoza up from nice. molten music from san francisco um uh, we've got ian pooley coming in july it's one of my favorites and ever. um we got our 12-hour party at monkey loft in august we're still finalizing a couple details on that. Um, Amsterdam in October. And, I mean, release-wise, we got a, a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, got a new Andrew Macari coming up. I've got uh, what is coming up after that. Let me think here. Um, my goodness, what is coming up after that? <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, I have. I, yeah, we've got a bunch of releases yeah. um, on deck right now, so we're kind of kind of figuring out the release schedule and all that. Um, we did we did this one uh, release from Jason Merle a couple months ago. Johnny Fiasco did a remix of it. That's going to be coming out in probably July. Oh, well, okay, yeah, for the uh, Homero Espinoza and, and David Harness show, there's a release coming out by them. By Homero with a David Harness remix for that, um, and a bunch and uh, a few new artists and a few recurring artists coming up after that too. Very but cool. A bunch of stuff in the pipeline for sure. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys have awesome. on, have on deck. Yeah, I'm always checking you guys out, seeing what's going on. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Um, I mean, on that, you know, part of this is I love to have folks in, talk to them, get to know them a little bit, but also 
let you loose on the decks, no pressure. You bring whatever you want, whether it's vinyl, USB, whatever you want to play. There's no, you know, it's like, what does John want to play on a Wednesday night? And accordion. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring the piccolo. No, that would accordion all night long. <laughs> you know, I really hate accordion most of the time in dance music. I struggle with that one. Oh, it's not even just, just accordion. <laughs> I'm just going to play accordion for the next hour. <laughs> That'll be fun to edit. I like that. So you're going to play accordion. So on your, when, you know, when I let you loose back on the decks and you put the accordion to the side and you pull out whatever you're going to pull out. <laughs> I'll, okay. Well, we'll set the accordion aside for so, the side. We're not need, tonight. You, another you, time. I'll mic you up. You bring it in. Like, All right. Ne right. Next time. Maybe run some loops, some hooks. I, let, let me learn how to play it first. <laughs> and then I'll bring it in. <laughs> that would have been something if you would have brought an accordion. Um, anything you want, anything you want to say about what you're going to mix? Any themes, ideas, thoughts? No, because, no. I mean, um, we're just going to kind of roll with it and see what Love happens. It. Yeah. And I think I'm definitely going to bust out um, a few of the tracks that we played, that Johnny and I played yeah. um, in Vegas. And then just some, um, yeah, just, yeah. That's, I mean, that's all I know so far. Other yeah. than that, we're going to we're gonna see where, where it starts and where it ends and yeah. see if we can catch a little groove. Anything else before we uh, put you behind the decks? I I don't think so. Um, I mean, thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. It's been like really cool just to hang out and chat and uh, talk about a bunch of stuff. So oh, I appreciate great. it. Thank you. No, I appreciate you coming through, taking the time. I appreciate the uh, the toenail paint job. If uh, if anybody, just make sure you notice that. I actually feel like I need to up my game now. This is we were talking about. I don't like wearing shoes. Gotta get sparkles, man. Yeah. All right. Get sparkles, I think going. I might do that. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for Thank coming. Thank you in, once man. again. Appreciate yeah. it. Seattle House Mafia. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Seattle House Mafia's industry interviews. If you want to watch the full video of this interview, including an exclusive mix from our guest, head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash YouTube. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For all things Seattle House Mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews and more, you can visit seattlehousemafia.com.